so excited to bring you this message, part two of legacy. And I've actually got a story for you from the Old Testament. And I'm wondering if anytime you ever sat down to read the Old Testament and you realized you were starting to read this epic narrative of kings and queens, good and evil, the rising and falling of kingdoms based on whoever it was that was in authority at the moment. And sometimes you're reading the, the Old Testament and you're like, did this really happen? Has anybody ever thought that before? It's an exciting part of the Bible to read. If you haven't read it yet, there are lots of outrageous stories in there, stories of war, also some straight up carnage, uh, and all varying results of these different people in power. The Old Testament is wild. Like it's the wild west of the Bible. And it actually highlights to us how desperately we needed the New Testament, how desperately we needed a new covenant and a new way to be made right with God. Because the Old Testament shows us how wicked and evil humanity can become when we're actually left to our own devices. And if you don't know a whole lot about the Old Testament, let me just give you a very brief, short synopsis. See, throughout history, people have had the option of choosing God or not choosing God. See, God gave us this thing called free will, which means that we have the option to choose him or not. And so all throughout history, all throughout the Old Testament, you read these stories of when people decided to go in the ways of God and to live righteous and to walk away from sin. And then also stories of people that have chosen the exact opposite and have entered into this life of idolatry and immorality and sometimes straight up debauchery. And people have also at different points in history throughout the Old Testament asked God for a leader. They've asked God for a king and this authority and this power that comes with the crown affects people in different ways. You see, some kings saw this opportunity as king to really influence the people for good and to turn them back to God, to get them back on the right path. But then other people that got the crown saw this as an opportunity to just control everything and to push anybody or kill anybody that got into their way. So there was this ongoing ebb and flow in the Old Testament. Evil kings would rise to power and lead the people to worship these idols, and they would see violence as an answer to anything. And then God would raise up a righteous king who would try to restore the kingdom, who would tear down the altars and get people back into the ways of God. And so I've got a story for y'all today. Maybe it's a story that you've breezed over. Maybe you haven't even heard these names before, but we're about to have a good time. So get your storytelling atmosphere ready because this, this is a story in 2 Chronicles. And it seems a little bit unbelievable. It's about one of the most wicked queens in history and a brave couple who took her down. It's a good story, y'all. This is part two of Legacy, and I'm calling this message, Break the Cycle. If you're taking notes on the app or if you got some notes from our info desk people back there, write that down. It's called Break the Cycle. Before I get into it, let's just pray. God, I just thank you so much that you can teach us so much through the Old Testament and through these stories of kings and queens. And God, I pray that today hearts would be opened, eyes would be opened to hear what it is that you have to say. And we ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before I get to the exact scriptures that we're going to talk about this morning, let me just tell you a little bit about the family tree. Okay? This family tree 
is a little bit hectic. See, there's this particular couple in the Bible that is known for their wickedness. They're known for how evil they are, not only as individuals, but especially as a couple. And their names are Ahab and Jezebel. Now, maybe you've heard of them before if you've read the Old Testament, or maybe you've heard of them and you've never read it, but you've heard somebody described as having a Jezebel spirit. Ahab and Jezebel are not good characters in the Bible. And so Ahab, he was already on his own, this corrupt leader in the nation of Israel, and he married this foreign woman named Jezebel. And because he was already so far from the ways of God, when he allowed his foreign wife to come into this nation, she brought all of her pagan religions with her and idol worship and started pushing it throughout the nation of Israel. And so this was Ahab and Jezebel. And they had some kids. And one of their kids is a daughter named Athaliah. Say Athaliah. Now, it looks like it should be said Athaliah, but I looked it up. This Hebrew YouTube guy, he said Athaliah, so I'm going to go with him. So Athaliah married the son of a godly king. Now, you might think, okay, this is good. She is marrying the son of a godly king. Maybe he's going to have a good influence on her. But he was more influenced by her and her dad than he was by his own father. So the moment these two got together... She had this huge influence on her new husband, Jehoram, and he became so awful that when he died, it literally says in scripture, he passed away to no one's regret. That is horrible. That is what he is known for in history. Everybody's like, he died, nobody cares. Like, Jehoram became so awful and nobody liked him that when he died, it was like, whatever, okay. So, He died to no one's regret, and then they have this son, Ahaziah. Say, Ahaziah. He takes the throne. But really, his mom is the one directing his every move behind him. She's the one really controlling the throne. Her her son is just sitting there on the throne. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 22, verse 3, it says, He too followed the ways of the house of Ahab, for his mother encouraged him to act wickedly. What a good mom. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord as the house of Ahab had done. So for generations, they were passing this on, these cycles of wickedness. For after his father's death, they became his advisors to his own undoing. See, the people who had advised his father became his advisors, and he became just as corrupt and evil as his father and his grandfather and so on. But then he gets killed too. I'm not making this up. This, this is the Old Testament, y'all. So Ahaziah was killed by a man named Jehu. And then, y'all just wait for this next part of the story. See, Ahaziah dies, and his mom, Athaliah, looks around and says, you know what? I don't want any of my other kids or my grandkids to take the throne. I want it myself. So now we find ourselves in verse 10. It says, when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she proceeded to destroy the whole royal family of the house of Judah. Y'all, she's killing her kids and her grandkids in order to get the throne. But Jehoshabah, say Jehoshabah. That's a name y'all want to know today. The daughter of King Jehoram, I'll explain that in a second, took Joash, son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the royal princes who were about to be murdered and put him and his nurse into a bedroom. Because Jehoshaphat, the daughter of King Jehoram and the wife of the priest Jehoiada, say Jehoiada, aren't these fun names? I've been practicing my pronunciation all week. 
This was Ahaziah's sister. She hid the child from Athaliah so she could not kill him. And he remained hidden with them in the temple of God for six whole years while Athaliah ruled the land. Are y'all still following this crazy story? There's a lot of names, but let me just catch you up to speed. See, Ahaziah, the guy who just died, he had a sister. But we believe that this is a half-sister, somebody, so he, um, this sister had a different mother. Back in these days, the kings often had several wives. So Athaliah is not the mom of Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat is looking at what her evil stepmom is doing. And she can see these, these evil cycles of destruction, these cycles of wickedness that are taking the throne. And she decides, not today, Satan. Like, this isn't going to happen in my house. She's like, not today, Athaliah. You know how sometimes we say the devil is a liar? But in this moment, the devil was Athaliah. And <laughs> she steps in, and she's like, no, 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 no. And she goes, and she kidnaps one of her nephews. So she runs in, kidnaps a nephew and the nurse for this baby, and she hides them in a room and then eventually transfers them over to the temple of God where they hide out for six whole years. Y'all, this is insane. She did this because she was preserving the line of David. The lineage of King David was coming through these sons, and so she preserved this young boy, Joash, to preserve the line of David from which we know Jesus would eventually come. See, she risked her life by taking one of the kids that was in this evil queen's warpath of destruction. And thankfully, Athaliah didn't even notice. She didn't even know. She was like, just kill them all. They're all dead. Okay, sweet. I'm on the throne. She didn't even realize that one of the boys was missing. So Jehoshaphat and her husband Jehoiada. Jehoiada is the high priest at this time. They adopted secretly this little baby, this nephew of theirs, and they raised him in the privacy of the temple. The temple of God, the place where they knew Athaliah would never step foot in. That wasn't her scene. And so, of course, that's the place where they were going to protect him. See, Jehoiada and Jehoshaphat were two individuals in history that didn't just risk their lives for a single moment, but they risked their lives for every single waking moment of six whole years. That is a long time to hide a baby. That is a big secret. See, that baby, we all know that babies aren't always quiet, right? And then that baby becomes a toddler. And then that toddler becomes a little boy, and they're hiding this huge secret in the temple of God. And I imagine that they're probably not letting anybody else on this secret aside from the few that are taking care of this boy. Because if word got back to Athaliah, we know what she would do, right? So they were keeping this real tight, real secure, raising this young boy in the privacy of the temple. This is absolutely incredible. Imagine that you had to walk around with a secret this big while watching an evil queen rule the land. And in the background, you know that you are raising a future king. This is massive. So here's the first thing that I think that we can learn about the legacy of Jehoiada and Jehoshaphat. See, we need to protect the seed that God has planted. Protect the seed that God has planted. Now, here's what I mean. In this story, this baby is the, fut is the seed of a future king. He is the seed from the line of David, the seed from a lineage that God had crafted to one day bring a Messiah. This seed was about to be destroyed at the hands of a vengeful, selfish, and evil grandmother. Now, I hope y'all don't have a grandmother like this, but what you probably do have is a seed. 
See, you probably have the seed of a dream or the seed of a promise that God has planted within you that somebody else in your life is attempting to destroy. You might have the seed of a dream or the seed of a promise, something that is in its early stages. It's very vulnerable to the outside opinions. And God used this brave couple in history to protect a baby named Joash and thereby preserve the line of David. See, you know, what's interesting is not only was he hidden in the temple where the presence of God dwelt, but for six whole years, the ancestor of God's own son, Jesus, was there hidden in the temple. That, that's just incredible. This couple was preserving a legacy. And my question for you is, what has God asked you to protect in order to prepare the way for future generations that will come after you? See, what seed has he asked you to hide and to nurture in secret while he is developing it within you? And then at the right time, then he will reveal his plans with that dream or that promise. What is it that he's asking you to protect? Metaphorically, what innocent baby has God planted in your life that he is asking you to develop, to raise, to nurture, but in private and possibly for years until God says it's time to surface. You know, for me, when I was reading this story and I was thinking about what seed God has given me, for me, it's been a book. And this, this book was planted on my heart seven years ago. Seven years ago, God planted this book within my heart and I started to write in private. I wasn't telling anybody really what I was writing, and I wrote, and I rewrote, and I rewrote, and I was writing this book in private. And all the time, people knew I was writing, and people would ask me, Darcy, what's the name of the book? Can I read a chapter? All the time, Frosty says, can I start reading now so that when you're finished, I'm finished? And I'm like, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I wouldn't tell anybody what the name is. I wouldn't let anybody read a chapter because it wasn't yet time for other outside opinions because it was me and God working on this. And God said, no, only me and you are going to develop this right now. This is what you need to develop in private. And at the right time, it will surface. And you see, here's the cool thing. It's just a week ago, God helped me to write the final page because he's about to bring it to the surface. But for seven years, for seven years, I had to protect this dream within me with everything I had. Didn't matter how many curious eyes there were, how many supportive people there were that had good intentions. I was like, I'm sorry, I can't show you. God is developing something within me, and I can't let this surface yet. I can't let you read something that's not yet fully mature. I can't let it surface, but seven years I protected it. And how far will you go to guard that dream or to guard that legacy? You see, after raising a baby in private for seven years, in the seventh year, God instructed Jehoiada and Jehoshaphat to prepare the temple for him to be anointed as the true king over Athaliah. Y'all, this is crazy. See, what happened was he, he called in all of the Levites and the priests and all of the troops, and he gave them specific orders, and he stationed them around the temple, all of the different entrances, and he actually handed them the spears and the shields from King David himself. And he said, I need you to protect everything at all costs. Don't let anybody in here that shouldn't be in the temple right now because we are about to anoint the king and dethrone Athaliah. So they had every entrance guarded, and then they had more men surrounding this young seven-year-old boy that had been raised by a high priest and his godly wife. And now we find ourselves at chapter 23, verse 11. This is good, y'all. It says, Jehoiada 
and his sons brought out the king's son and put the crown on him. They presented him with a copy of the covenant and proclaimed him king. They anointed him and shouted, long live the king. And when Athaliah heard the noise of the people and she started running and she went to them at the temple of the Lord and she looked and there was the king standing by his pillar at the entrance. The officers and the trumpeters were beside the king and all the people of the land were rejoicing and blowing trumpets and musicians with their instruments were leading the praises. Basically, there was a big party going on and Athaliah wasn't invited. And so she's looking on at this and this next moment just made me giggle. It says, Athaliah tore her robes and shouted, treason! And in this moment, you know who I picture? I picture the queen of hearts from Alice in Wonderland. You know, she's just really evil. And she's like, off with her head. And so I picture Athaliah in this moment, looking on at the temple, seeing this party going on. She's like, treason, off with his head. And so she's running over. This is dramatic, y'all. Like, this is what happens in the Old Testament. It's the Wild West, okay? So she's running over. And then Jehoiada, the priest, sent out the commanders of the units of 100 who were in charge of the troops and said to them, bring her out between the ranks and put to the sword anyone who follows her. Do not put her to death at the temple of the Lord. He's like, no, 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 you're not going to shed her blood here in God's house. And so they caught her at the entrance of the horse gate on the palace grounds, and there they put her to death. What a story. In this single moment, an evil queen was knocked off her throne, and a seven-year-old boy took her place. Because of the actions of Jehoiada and Jehosheba, the legacy of King David was preserved, and the light of the temple overcame the darkness of the palace. And as Joash stepped into the role of king, Jehoiada, the high priest, was the strongest influence on his life. He was like a father to Joash now. And we read in chapter 24, verse 2, that Joash, this new king, did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all the years of Jehoiada the priest. Now, this is interesting, y'all. It says he did what was right all the years that Jehoiada was alive and influential in his life. Y'all need to know this, that godly nurture can change a wicked nature. Godly nurture can change a wicked nature. Joash, he came from a wicked father and was almost murdered by a wicked grandmother. And he was from a line of wicked, messed up people that were power hungry and selfish and cruel. And if he had grown up in the palace, it was likely that he would have become just like them. It was likely that if that was what was going on in the palace, he would have adopted and mirrored the similar actions, and he would have ruled the throne with an iron fist and with this power-hungry, selfish, evil nature. But Jehoiada and Jehoshaphat, they stepped in, and they broke the cycle. See, they, they broke the cycle. They looked at what was going on in the palace, and they said, enough is enough. And with one brave move and with six years of nurturing, they broke that cycle on a wicked nature, and they broke that cycle in Joash's life. They nurtured him in the house of God and in the ways of God, and their, their nurture is what changed a wicked nature. See, whatever seed or promise you are protecting, you've got to make sure it's in the right soil. You've got to make sure that it's planted in godly soil because where you develop that seed will determine the type of fruit it produces in the future. And where you plant it and how you water it it will determine the direction it takes in its life. 
So is your dream planted in the ways of God? Is your promise surrendered at the cross? Are you allowing God to develop you in private or are you looking for all of these worldly influences to give you advice because you don't know what to do and you're getting all these outside opinions? I love that this couple went against the grain of the system that was already in place and they recognized there was this cycle of destruction that they needed to break. But they also recognized they couldn't break it in a single moment. They actually committed to a six-year breaking until he was seven years old and could actually overtake the throne. But in those years of waiting, they were nurturing him. They were teaching him the ways of God. They were training him. And they looked at the pattern of his lineage, and they said, Joash, this can stop with you. You don't have to be like them. And the thing is, is they did a really great job raising him. Joash was actually doing a really great job leading the nation and And he even led the nation to repentance. This guy, he actually helped restore the temple. And he taught people how to tithe again. He made sure that God's house was a priority for the people. And this couple would have been looking at this young boy and been like, yes, you are doing everything that God wants of you. You're living out to your potential. And it says that as long as Jehoiada was alive and influential in his life, that's when he did what was right. See, what happened is in chapter 24, verse 15, Jehoiada was old and full of years, and he died at the age of 130. And he was buried with the kings in the city of David because of the good he had done in Israel for God and his temple. What an incredible legacy for this high priest to leave behind. See, high priests did not get buried with the kings. This was not common. You had to be a king and a good king to get buried with the kings, but this was a huge honor and a recognition of the authority that this high priest had in the kingdom to actually bury him with the kings. And imagine that's what people said about you when you passed. Imagine they said, you know what? She did good, or he did good both for God and for people. This was the legacy that was left to Joash when Jehoiada passed away. Keys can join me now. But I can't finish this story here. You see, there's a final part of this story that is good for us to recognize and to be aware of. Because Joash, he was raised in the house of God. And he had godly parental figures. And he was raised with this mission to bring God back into the palace and to overcome this darkness with light. He knew his God. And he knew his mission. But when his key influence died he started to listen to some of his peers, some of his new, not-so-godly friends. You see, different officials in the kingdom came to pay homage to the king after Jehoiada's death. And he just started to take their advice. Whatever it is that they would say, he just started to accept these new, not-so-godly friends in his life. And it says that he walked out of the temple with these new friends, and they set up Asherah poles and other idols to worship. The same guy that rebuilt the temple and brought a nation to repentance and devotion, he fell into the wrong friend crowd and he started to reverse all of the good that he was doing. You see, that this is the last thing I want y'all to know. Your influence in this life is determined by your life influences. Your influence And this life is determined by your life influences. This was so true for Joash, and it's true for you too. You are not stronger than him. Let me tell you this. When your main influence is God and godly people, 
your influence on others will be a reflection of that. However, the moment you allow your non-Christian mates and worldly influences to take the front seat in your life, your influence becomes a reflection of the company you keep. It happened for Joash, and it can happen for you too. See, if Joash had just stayed grounded after his adopted father died, if he had just stayed by his adopted mother's side, if he had just remained devoted in the temple, then maybe he wouldn't have fell to his own destruction. You see, what happened with Joash is he got assassinated in his own bed. People didn't really like him once he became a different person after his adopted father had died. And although he was a king, he wasn't buried with the kings. Your influence in this life is determined by your life influences. And who you surround yourself with now will determine the type of legacy that you will leave behind. Let me tell you this, godly nurture at any stage of your life can start to transform an evil, wicked nature. But you have to stay committed to staying grounded. You have to stay committed to staying grounded no matter what crown is placed on your head, no matter what title is given to you, no matter how much wealth you accumulate. If you don't stay planted in godly soil with godly influences, you might end up making the same mistakes as young Joash. And his legacy as king isn't one we admire, but the legacy of Jehoiada and Jehoshaphat, that is a legacy as if they were the king and queen. As I come to a close, I've just got a few big questions. See, what influences do you need to break off of your life right now so that you can leave a legacy that is worth celebrating, a legacy that is worth admiring? You know that the seed that we talked about of the dream or the promise, that the thing that you're protecting, be careful who you allow to speak over it. Be careful who you allow in your garden because so easily that seed could get choked out by all of the other voices that are taking up the soil. See, some people don't realize that who you allow into your life and what you are listening to and what you allow to speak over that dream that is planted within you, that determines the fruit and the life that it will produce. So some of y'all need to take a look at it because here's the thing, you can break the cycle. You can have a different spirit like what Frosty was talking about last week with Caleb. You can leave a legacy. It doesn't matter what cycles you grew up in. It can stop with you. And Jehoiada and Jehoshaphat were proving that. See, it doesn't matter what patterns have been programmed into your thinking. Since you were born, God is in the business of transformation, and he has transformation waiting for you. That old pattern, it can stop with you. The addiction, the alcoholism, the abuse, the depression, the worship of idols, everything, destructive patterns of behavior. It doesn't matter what your parents did or what your grandparents did or whatever house you're living in, whatever lineage you came from. It can stop with you. God is in the business of transformation. You got to know today that you can protect that seed and that dream that God has planted within you. Godly nurture can change any type of wicked nature, but also your influence in this life is determined by the company you keep. But I hope that one day people will speak about you the same way they spoke about this couple and say they did good for God, for his people, and for this nation. They were able to break the cycle on this king for a period of time. And they will forever be remembered for that. Although they couldn't control what happened after their death, Joash made his own choices. They did everything they possibly could while they were alive. And while they were alive, Joash was doing what was right. 
in the eyes of God. And that left a legacy. Let me tell you this, there's people in this room that need to start protecting what God has placed within you. You don't need a thousand people giving you advice on that. You need the advice of God and maybe some godly counsel that can speak over you. You need to allow God to nurture that seed within you and allow him to transform our wicked nature. We are all born sinners, all of us. We've all made mistakes, but if we can get around God and godly people, he can nurture us to transform us into a new person. But also look at who's in your garden. Look at who you've allowed and what influences you've allowed to speak over your life. What else is in the garden? Because maybe some of you here need to do some weeding this week. And you need to take a look and say, God, what have you planted? And how can I best nurture this? How can I best grow this? Because I want to break the cycle. And I want to be an influence for my school, for my family, for my city, for my nation, for this world. See, the thing is, is you can have a different spirit. You can break the cycle. You can look at the destructive patterns of generations that have gone before you. You could say, that stops with me. But it's determined by your choice and by who you surround yourself with. So let us learn from Jehoiada and Jehoshaphat and let us embrace this pattern of history that they broke the cycle on Joash. And let's start to create some history of our own. Let's think about what we cultivate now because that determines the legacy we'll leave when we too pass away. Amen? Church, let me pray for you.